0: Good morning. Today's reading is from Proverbs five twenty through 23. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly he has led astray. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, again, good morning. Um, so at, we're in Proverbs 5 this morning, and before we uh, get into it together, I want to give a couple things just so we can all have a, have a heads up. Um, it's more of a, of a KZ13 um, Sunday, if you will because that's where we uh, find ourselves in God's Word, and we're going to be true to His Word, and we're going to uh, communicate the t- tone and the content that God communicates to us. Um, I do just say that, though, as a, as a heads-up, in case anyone has... Um, Kids and, and who are in here, and you're not sure if you, you know how. Uh, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, full disclosure: I would have my kids in here. Um, we have talked through these things. I don't think any of this would be a huge shock to them. Though it might be to some of us. Um, but uh, that, you know, that's uh, um, we'll. We'll we'll get into that. Okay, we'll talk a little about that. But um, uh, just a heads up again, we're talking about Proverbs five, uh, sex and uh, sexuality and intimacy, and um, the the prayer on the on the front end, and even as, as I move in in a moment to to some time in prayer, is that is that God would speak to each of us individually as well as to us corporately as a whole as a commu- community of people. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'll i just, I don't know if I'm alone in this. I was up till about midnight a couple minutes before. Some of you guys else who were there watching a game that felt like it was going to go to overtime for a while and then uh, all of a sudden didn't. But, um, um, but hey, it's good. It's exciting that U of A is looking good. Six and three is way better than three and six, right? So um, that's all I'll say about that. But it also... Um, I'll I'll just share here on the front end that my my tone and what I what I say and kind of how I walk through through these things is. Um is is saturated in prayer and even in real trust and dependence on the Holy Spirit. Every time I I come up here, kind of took my cues from others who have gone before and said that kind of before preaching. Even um, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, as he like descended the steps, they had steps apparently too. Um, but as he descended the steps to preach from the Longwek l- he would he would say. Uh, Holy Spirit, I depend on you and I need you to communicate, um, not my words, but, 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 but yours. And, and so he would say that and pray that every time. And, um, especially on a week like this, I just, I feel a a strong sense of, 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 of desire and conviction and hope that uh, God is speaking to us through his word. And, um, the, uh, go ahead and turn with me in Proverbs five. I, I see that we have some people here. We're gonna hand out the scriptures. I want to make sure, okay, that you know this is God's word that we're in. So if you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will hit you? In, okay. Want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can follow along with and read and see that this is God's word. And if you don't own a Bible, you do now. Okay. Keep this one and um and Espanol. Si quieres la Biblia y no tienes Por favor, mano español. Y si no una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Proverbios, capítulo Okay, so again, we're in, in Proverbs 5. Want to make sure we all have a Bible we can follow along with and, uh, and read. And so, what we're going to see, okay, the main theme and title, if you remember, that we're walking through in Proverbs is um is wisdom in dizzying times okay or 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 wisdom in disorienting times and we've we've talked the last few weeks about what that what that looks like and i would say in our day um perhaps one of if not the most disorienting realities of our lives of our culture of our community is is, is, is the disorienting conversation around sex and sexuality and intimacy. We are saturated in it. We're swimming in, uh, in polluted waters, and we don't even r- recognize it in many ways. And so our, our prayer this morning is that God would use this time to, to open our eyes and our hearts and our ears Okay, so how we're going to walk through this? I think we have a uh, have it up here. Is, is we're going to walk through it this way? Is the the first section um, verses one through through six is this is 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 beware of seduction, and then in the next section it's be attentive to instruction, and then be satisfied in God's provision. Okay, so again, beware, be attentive, be satisfied. And um, with that, let, let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to continue to oversee our time and to speak to us. Okay, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this morning that we get to be together. We thank you that we can uh, come and participate in com- community, that uh, we can come as we are. Uh, again, I- I- I'm overwhelmed with the reality of your sovereignty, your bigness, overseeing uh, the entire cosmos. Is, is, uh, as Abraham Kuyper said, there's not a square inch over the entire universe over which you don't declare mine. And yet you're incredibly present and intimate. You are one who, who can relate, who's entered in, who, who knit every one of us together in our mother's womb. And so, Lord, you know what we need to hear this morning and how we need to respond to you on an individual level, our, our stories, where we come from, and also us as a community. So again, we submit to you, and perhaps more than than normal, um, we are, I am desperately aware of our need for you to speak through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, picking up in Proverbs 5, verse 1, "'My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge.' For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Okay, so there's the the very first words there, my son. If you rem- remember what we've walked through here, is is Proverbs is coming from it's uh, the the author is referred to as the Teacher, and oftentimes he reveals himself in a, in a father to child relationship, and the way we should read this, even even now, is 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 is, is the words of a concerned and regretful father to a vulnerable son, okay? Because we know that the primary contributor to Proverbs and author of Proverbs is Solomon. And we know that Solomon, King Solomon, was someone who loved God, who, who kind of started off really well, right? Like with a bang, if you will. He was kind of coming on the scene, a high prospect, and yet at the end of his life, there was incredible regret. In fact, he ushered in the beginning of the end or the decline of Israel, of God's people, the divide of the kingdom. And so there was a lot of sorrow and tragedy. And it was directly connected to his, his sexual disorientation. He had hundreds of wives and concubines. And, and he gave in to every pleasure that he, he, was, he was tempted toward. And, and everything he wanted to try, he tried. And, and he just went after it. And he was un uninhibited in his sexual, sexual pursuits, if you will. And, and so this is the words that he, that that we're going to read here is, is him saying, listen, I've been down this road and I know where it leads. So listen up. Okay. Lean in. He's not shy about his regrets. Um, I've shared here and there about my own dad and different things. And one of the things I'm most thankful for, as I even read this, is, man, my dad has not been shy about sharing his regrets. I, in fact, have a memory of, uh, I don't know uh, how many of you know the band The Eagles. Um, There's a handful of us. Yes, okay, some of us that are older, if uh, a little bit, or more in tune with good music. Um, But anyway, there's, there's a song, you know, something before, like... Auto tune, you know, like real singing. Um, But but anyway, the Eagles. uh, There's this song called Desperado, and I remember my dad being in the truck, um, uh, and we were in the in the cab, and he began to um, tear up and share with my older brother and I. Just man, this song really hits home and really hits my own heart, and I feel like this song's kind of about me. And just he's been really intentional in that way, and so. And that's the kind of picture we have here, is is just this honest, heartfelt um, uh, concern of saying, beware. And now look here too, right, in verses 3 and 4, is that the scripture is not shy. God is not shy about being brutally honest here, okay? He says, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. And then he goes on, her feet go down to death, and he, and he begins to give this warning, "'Beware, my son!' Okay, you're, you're, there is incredible danger that you are, are walking toward and I want to speak really, really clearly to you and we'll get in a moment, okay, if some of you that have looked ahead when we get down to verses 15 through 20, we'll get into the other parts of God's brutally honest and blunt language in, in, in a more positive context. But right now there's this, this stern warning and yet there's a recognition. Okay, sin, lust, is really really tempting. All right, it's not like sometimes we do such a great disservice I, in in the the world that we live in. Okay, where we are is this incredible tragedy that's over obsession with sex and sexuality. And it's like impossible to discern who we are apart from our desires and our passions. And and it's I mean everything we read, every commercial that we're faced with, everything intertwines and connects our identity and our sexuality and our and our and our passions. And it's and again we don't even acknowledge it and recognize it. It's completely it's completely taken over. There's a, there's a great book called Sex in the Eye World. And it's really good of just, just kind of calling out the fact that we are sexual beings. Okay, but, but, but that's not everything about us. Okay, and so even we'll get into it more here, but we struggle as a community of people to even understand our relationships with one another as like brother and sister. And, and father and, and sons and, you know, and like the exhortation that Paul gave in the pastoral epistles to relate with older men as fathers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, okay, uh, uh, peers as brothers and sisters. This beautiful picture and yet we struggle so much with that in large part because of the tragic obsession, distortion of sex being everything. On the flip side, though, let's acknowledge that in the church, I think there's been an equally tragic, almost equally or if like tragic, like ignorance towards sex and sexuality and just stuff that's really unhelpful. We'll see more of it as we go on, but even not acknowledging the fact that lust, that, that pornography, that, 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 that shortcuts to intimacy is incredibly attractive. Okay, the, the, the reality, like we say things, oh, just ignore it, just go away. Like the, it'll get better down the road. Just kind of g- grin and bear it. It's not worth it. Or we'll just kind of say these things and not call it like it is, which scripture doesn't do and, and, and acknowledge. No, it's incredibly tempting. Yeah, if you look at that picture or that movie or you move into that relationship where there's no accountability, where there's no bad breath, Right there's no there's no like oh, I don't there's no I have to go all in there's no self sacrifice there's no relationship there's just shortcuts and 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 that's sweet and smooth for a while Okay we need to acknowledge that that's the case okay the, the, again lust temptation this stuff is it's it's attractive it feels really good it it even feels safer Okay, and if we don't acknowledge that reality, that temptation, then what do we do ourselves or with our kids or with the people that we're in relationship with when all of a sudden that's not all right? We get exposed to these things. We're like, whoa, mom and dad or church or whatever said this stuff was bad, and, but it feels really good. Like, what do I do with this? And there's this acknowledgement, no, this, it is easier. There are shortcuts that will feel better, that will be really, really tempting that will meet your needs more quickly, more safely. For a while, but in the end, it's bitter. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This even the Hebrew there picture that would come to mind is, is like you'll be eaten alive. It's it's this idea of like it's it, and then again it goes on there. You uh, her her path goes to sheol she does not ponder the path of life her ways wander and she does not know it you're you're putting your hand you're entrusting yourself to a tour guide who's going to lead you right off a cliff beware my son my daughter my child beware of seduction it's really tempting but it's absolutely destructive beware and then it moves on and there's this, this, this theme that kind of picks up and says, also now be attentive, be attentive to instruction. Okay, pick up with me in verse 7. And now, oh sons, right, it turns now to the plural. It goes from like this individual conversation to a, to a, a bigger context, to a, a broader conversation. Just a quick aside, and I even think of, um, I remember growing up and having questions, right? I'm like 12, 13, things like that, and wondering, man, who can I talk to? Who loves Jesus and is not going to be, like, shy about this? And I remember asking friends, hey, could we talk to your dad about this? You know, I have a... question about this. I don't know, you know, what, what, is it a sin or not? Just being again, fully candid, we'll even hit in this being like 12 or 13 years old and even having a conversation with other 12 and 13 year olds. Hey, is m- masturbation a sin? I just said that from here. I, is that some of us are really uncomfortable? It'll get more so. <laughs> just heads up on that. But I, 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 got, and, in thinking like, I don't know where to, where to turn with this. And the, the tragedy was that some of my friends were like, well, I don't know. I'm not going to talk to my dad about that. I'm like, no way. Man, I pray that we would be the first people my kids would, would come to, that my wife and I would, would have such honest, candid conversations with each other that we would press into the tense and difficult conversations together so that they hear stuff on the playground. They're like, I'm going to go to my parents with this because they've already talked fully and I haven't heard that. I'm going to go check with them because I think they know a bit more than my, you know, 10-year-old counterparts here that are taking their cues from their 14-year-old older siblings. My parents who have four kids and have been married for a long time probably know more than them. And we've bluntly told that to our kids and pray that that would be the case. And so just even a picture there of, again, the bigger Fuller picture of the family of God, the body of christ where 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 we have relationships with our kids and with their with with the with the with the community that we've been given, where there's freedom and, and excitement that that God is the author of all things okay that god that sex is god's idea, okay just very bluntly bluntly put here, like again in the church where we we don't acknowledge things like the fact that like like orgasms was god's idea. Okay like let that sit in for a minute. Like again, we don't think that's oh that's not that's not god world. That's not stuff that he deals with. I this is this is like there. This is playground. This is locker room talk. This is on the construction site. No. That's not. Like this is this is stuff that we submit to the author of life. Amen. And so I pray that we would have relationships with our own children and in, in the right context and healthy context in community where we actually press into these things, where we acknowledge the temptation and the distortions that we've been fed and that we often function in and we would submit ourselves to God's scripture, that we would be wise, all right? And we're so foolish by remaining quiet. Quiet. And yet God, God's word, thankfully, is in that way. And then look, okay, in, in, this, in this pursuit of wisdom, right? Don't be foolish, be wise, right? The greater theme here in Proverbs picks up, right? And it says, um, it pick up with me in verse, in, verse, in, verse, uh, in verse eight. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Don't even go near the door, Again, there's this this exhortation, be wise, listen, be attentive to instruction. Single people or people in relate well, any one of us, but especially people in dating relationships, I can't tell you how many times I, I enter into a conversation on the front end of some people moving into a relationship and then it comes out on the other side and they're like, man, I don't know how we got here. And often you can connect the dots to, well, you thought you were the exception. And that's not just, for, I mean, that's for everyone. Oh, I thought I was the exception. I, I knew I had some red flags and some triggers before ending into this relationship, before being in the vicinity of sin. Again, full disclosure. In, in in the conversations I have a lot with men, myself and with others, is just is just an, an awareness of in our day and age, it's so it's so often not. I'm pursuing. I'm go- oh, I want to wreck my life. I want to wreck my family. I want to go have an affair. So I'm going to start out on that trajectory. No, more often than not, it's I'm way I'm wandering into the vicinity of temptation. I'm just going to casually pass by the door of the seductress. And this says, did not even go near her door. James chapter one verse, uh, verse 15, gives this warning, this exhortation. "Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death." Again, this trajectory. Of the, The conception, beginning with desire, and then wandering, and then leading toward death. Be attentive. Verse 12. And you say, okay, at the end of your days, like Solomon here, you get and you're like, how did I get here? How did I arrive in this place? How did my life come to this point? Verse 12. And you say how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. I despised instruction. Is there anything? Again, in the context of wisdom, okay? In the con- but I think our propensity here is to be so individualistic, to be so, such like control freaks, all right, which just to be clear, goes all the way back to the beginning to sin. When we turned away from God, when we, where sin very first crept into our own hearts, into humanity as a whole, was saying, no thanks God, I think I know better than you. And we continue to live that way right now. Ah, uh, thanks for your advice, but I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna dissect it. I'm the judge and the jury. I don't know if I'm gonna, ah, uh, maybe I'll take a little bit out of that, but that feels a little uncomfortable. That feels, feels a little bit invasive. You know, who are you to speak into my relationship? We're in love. You know, we're whatever. I've got it figured out. I, I know what I'm doing. I, and we keep, we build these walls. In so doing, we're building these houses of cards. It can so quickly become blown down, and and then again we enter in this place, and we say, "How did I end up here?" And like this, like this regretful father, we look back and say, "I can probably trace, I can connect the dots back to hating instruction, to hating being called out, to hating the discomfort of someone speaking into my life." Beware of seduction. And be attentive to instruction. And then in verse 15, the the again in the Hebrew, and someone that spoke Hebrew and read Hebrew would understand now the tone kind of elevates and even gets like louder and yet more positive. And it says this here. I'm just going to read verses 15 through 20 in, 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 in this call to now be satisfied through God's provision. Verse 15 Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Okay? It just, in that day, cisterns and wells were prized possessions. Not everyone had one. And this is a source of life. This is a, this is a positive contribution to who you are, to how you live, to, to how you thrive, to every part of your life would be connected to your cistern or your well. And so this is a picture of a spouse, in this case, again, the father speaking to a son. But obviously, I hope we're aware enough that this connects to all of us, men, women, married, single, wherever we are. And, and don't, as we go on, we'll speak very pointedly to every, every demographic, if you will. But, but this, this call is on a broader sense in God's provision, God has provided for you, more specifically here, through your husband or your wife, God has provided you um, something that's a a prized possession, a cistern or a well. Drink water from there. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth a lovely deer a graceful doe let her breasts fill you at all times with delight be intoxicated always in her love why should you be intoxicated my son with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress again the god's word is incredibly pointed and blunt in the very beginning acknowledging the temptation of sin right Smoother, smoother than oil, dripping like honey, and awareness uh, and, 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 and honesty of the temptation of sin. And then similarly, perhaps even more so, bluntly honest in God's beautiful provision. Be satisfied. In how I have provide provided for you, says God. Be satisfied. Again, even bluntly specific here, saying, In the in the in in your wife that I have provided for you, in 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 be satisfied in in let her breasts fill you or satisfy you. Be and then even that in verse 19, it says, Be intoxicated always in her love. Again in the Hebrew, that's not just her love like you know, hearts like emojis, you know, like little hearts that pop up. It actually means, like, in her lovemaking, be intoxicated. Be, if you're going to be disoriented, be disoriented in, in, in what I have provided for you, says God, in your spouse. And again, we just get too uncomfortable. We stop there and we see, oh, I don't know. But no, there's, God's bluntly honest in not just saying beware of seduction, but also bluntly honest in saying, be satisfied in my provision for you. And he speaks so clearly and so pointedly here. It's like in Genesis chapter two, in the very beginning, okay, again, just so we acknowledge the fuller picture of God's story, this is what happened. When God walked Eve down the aisle and presented her, Okay, like a father to a groom pre- when he presented the bride to Adam. Adam didn't know what to do, so he busted out in a song. And all the weddings I've officiated, I've yet to see this happen, but I'm waiting for it. Especially unscripted, right? Like just someone just freestyles. But Adam busts out in this song, and this is what he says in Genesis 2. Then the man said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And and, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There's no shame. There's there's full intoxicated satisfaction and God's provision. But is that the reality of the world that we live in today, where we have rightly oriented understanding of who we are as whole people, sexually, in relationship with one another, men and women, brother, sister, mother, child, father, uncle, relationships, right? The bigger picture of the body of Christ. And then even moving into, you know, into husband, wife, marriage, so often Shame and discontent is more what defines us. And yet God's word is is an encouragement, again, an an, um, elevated tone of, of be satisfied in my provision for you in very blunt and clear and specific language. So now, what do we do with that is it, it Again, so often we say that. It's really good. God's provided this gift. God's provided sex in the context of marriage between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, so just wait and it'll be amazing. And again, kind of pulling back the layers of the church sometimes when we do go further and we do start to press into these uncomfortable subjects, then we just go that language. We're like, it's awesome. It's so good. It's great. It's just, just trust me, just wait and it'll be awesome. And then this sermon is only applicable to those of us here who have not yet been married and just wait for that. And honestly, again, candidly, then we enter into this place of unmet expectations. There's this article that I read that's referring to another article that's incredibly helpful and bluntly honest. Here's what it says. Jessica Ciencen Enriquez recently detailed how the abstinence movement affected her sex life and marriage in a revealing article titled, My Virginity Mistake. Enriquez relays how she pledged herself to Jesus at a purity ceremony at age 14. All right I know some of us are thinking, I remember doing that same thing." And she remained a virgin until she married uh, six years later and wound up divorced after she and her husband could not make things work in the bedroom. Looking back, Enriquez states, "If she had not insisted on waiting for sex until marriage, she could have pre- prevented her divorce. The provocative subtitle of her article reads, I took an abstinence pledge hoping it would ensure a strong marriage. Instead, it led to a quick divorce. Okay, those are brutally honest words. And let me be clear, I do not agree with them. But I fully understand where they're coming from. Okay, again, I don't know if others, I remember in the kind of youth group era I was growing up in, we did all these pledges. They'd say, even sometimes in a big group like this, everybody, if you're going to make this pledge, stand up. It's like, who's not going to stand up? My, like, teachers right there, you know, my principal, like, all right, yeah. Like, I remember seeing friends being like, you are so, you're lying. Like, you are so full of it. But there's this stuff, but really, but then those people that do just believe this and then go in and, okay, hear me on this, okay, follow this trajectory. The, The language that she's referring to, let me just say, first of all, that that like having sex before marriage wouldn't have saved her marriage. Okay, saying like, oh, me and my husband were incompatible. We had a, we had a rough, you know, go at it. We had, to, we had a difficult time figuring out how to be intimate with one another. So had we, you know, learned and been knew we were compatible or whatever, then it would have saved us all kinds of heart. Like, no, that's absolutely not true. However... The message that's often given, just wait, it'll be awesome, just trust me, just, you know, is, hear me, is, 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 is using the same language and, and is speaking to the same broken distortions that the world is saying. Okay, it's, it's playing on the same field. God's design, God's plan for sex and intimacy and, and marriage and relationships is a completely different game altogether. Okay, hear me. It's, God's plan is not everything about your life is supposed to meet your needs and make you fully satisfied, so just wait and that will happen. Now use God to fulfill your own selfish desires and to meet your own agenda for your life and then you can just be fully sexually satisfied from there on out just as long as you wait. Okay, are are you guys tracking with me? Because this is so important that we understand that when you su- surrender to God, when you give your heart to him, you give your life to him, you're acknowledging, God, I, am, I have been distorted, my views, my thinking, acknowledging there are desires and brokenness in my own heart, and there is a world that, is, that has a, an intimate relationship with my heart that knows what to speak into, how to tempt me, that, and, and, and I need you, God, to lead me and to open my eyes to your will and to your design. Author uh, and, and pastor Jeff Vanderstel in a book, um, Gospel Fluency, says this. He's not r- writing in direct kind of response to that, that um, in Enriquez r- r- article, but it's definitely applicable. Here's what it says. It is God's very good and right plan that sexual intimacy be reserved for marriage. However, the motive for abstinence is not better sex in the future. In fact, this motivation leads to the opposite experience. The purpose of marriage is not the fulfillment of your selfish desires. Sex and love were created by God, and Jesus showed us in his life and death how best to love. Okay, if you remember, a number, we've heard this phrase here that, that it, Death is at the center of love. Okay, that the message of the gospel is that you find yourself by giving yourself away, not just through your own efforts, but by looking to the cross, that Jesus showed us what love looks like by laying down his rights, by giving up his rights for the good of his bride. For the good of his people, for the good of his church, and then that that would be the model for how we live life that we would we would lay down our rights for the good of others, and that again sex and sexuality isn 't everything, but the gospel speaks into everything, including our sexuality, including our the the intimate elements of our relationships. And that would be this. So the gospel absolutely applies to this. again, the idea, the broken message of, hey, just wait, and now you can be selfish. And and then if you read that um, article that that gal wrote, that's exactly what she talks about. And you read more of it. And I don't mean to look from like an ivory tower, but you see and you're like, oh, her husband was like out at a bachelor party, I think even got drunk on the wedding night and then was super unloving and uncaring and harsh. And you're like, yeah, there's so many elements that contributed to this brokenness. And again, part of it was trying to play on a completely different field than God designed us for. He designed us for self-sacrifice, for love of God and love of others in every facet of life. So now I want to help us kind of bring this home, if you will, by speaking to like everyone in here. And I think we all fit into one of these categories in some way. That we have single people who are in here and are wondering, all right, this is... This is talking about, you know, marriage and, and sex within marriage and all this stuff. So how does this uh, apply to me? Then we've got married people in here that are also wondering, okay, there's a lot of warning on the front end in this passage, but I'm married right now. Like, what do I do with this? And then there are also people in here that are, are perhaps feeling hurt, perhaps even wounded, maybe even hopeless, and are saying, man, my situation contributes to how I read this and I just feel confused. So let me speak to these different groups among us, okay? Single people, okay, hear me right now pointedly. I hope you hear this all the time, but it it has to be said right now. You are absolutely not a second-class citizen, amen? You are in no way, like I confess right here that on behalf of the church we have so often presented and I'm sure even here locally Redemption Tucson presented ourselves in such a way that says like once you get married then like you're then then you can be fit for different roles and you can lead in different ways and then you'll be then you kind of get a seat at the big kids table right but until then like I don't know what to really do for you. And that's just absolutely wrong and unbiblical. Again, so much contributes to this. We live in such an individualized culture that just, that just says it's, you know, it's all about me. It's all about what I can do and all this. And, we, and then we, we paint pictures that we think that, like, life's goal is to have, you know, a spouse and kids and a minivan. Or I know for most people on the front end, you say an SUV. And then you come around and you're like, I don't know, what I was thinking minivan, right? Yeah, you start to see, wow, doors that open, all like, okay, you get humbled. But, uh, and we will call you out and point it out when that time comes. But, um, but, but seriously, that's not life's goal, okay? Jesus was a failure if that was the goal, all right? Jesus didn't have a wife. Jesus didn't have kids. Let me just again be honest here. Jesus never had sex, Whoa! Where would he fit in our church culture in our day? Again, we've got to acknowledge how much we've allowed ourselves to be corrupted and distorted by this uh, by this obstruction to God's design that says sex and intimacy is everything and says everything about you and unless you're married, unless you have kids, unless then you're incomplete or you haven't arrived yet. And we all and we sit in here in these places and then we read things like this and we're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. I have a good friend that I was in conversation with who walks through having same-sex attraction, and uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he's been in in ministry and led on high levels, and we were talking, and his words, he really led through this conversation a lot, and he said, I I struggle with same-sex attraction, and even that I know a lot of people kind of flinch at, and Again, those were his words, and he walked through this stuff. But he he said something. He said, he said, Man, I feel like we don't acknowledge that, 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 that for me to, to walk with Jesus and to love others and to be a part of community, it requires me to die a death. Like almost every day. He said, I feel like my only option is to be the awkward uncle. Yes, to be an uncle, but the the awkward is is so sad and tragic that that would have to go would have to be tied together again we have such a we don't see through the biblical lens that god paints such a beautiful picture of a family of community of who his people are together that the reality that you could have relationships with people Married, divorced, taking, you know, choosing to walk lives of abstinence in all different seasons. And it would be difficult for them to see their place or their role in our community. That's tragic. We need to repent of that. We need to pray that God would, would, would reveal where we need to repent, where we need to change, where we need to grow. Okay, again, the goal is not, you know, 2.5 kids in a minivan. And so and so there, this stuff, God is incredibly practical, and, and so there is this sense again that you, you have a place wherever you are, wherever your role, you have a necessary part and contribution to God's work, to God's people. Okay, let that sink in for a minute. That, now at the same time, are you called to purity? Absolutely. okay the, the, in first Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the kind of qualifications of an elder uses the language that, 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 it's, that a man must be the husband of one wife, or more specifically, that translation says a one woman man. Sometimes we read that, well, could Jesus be an elder? Let, let me say again, Jesus was never married, but he was a one-woman man. He he lived devoted to his bride, the church. Now, I know that some of us might say, well, that was Jesus. Like, all right, thanks for that. You know, how do... <laughs> like really, really practically here, yes, you get to participate in Jesus's ministry. I would even say, and even Paul would say, I think if you read 1 Corinthians 7, there's something, even an advantage, not only not a second class citizen, but even an advantage to being a single person and to living fully devoted to the bride of Christ, Okay, you have an incredible blessing and a, a union, a participation with Christ that, again, as Paul speaks and explains it there, he's like, "Don't that's a good thing. In fact, if I had it my way, you, we all would stay this way. Okay, and Paul sees the benefit and he, and he shares that, and yet in the 2,000 years since, we don't say things like that. Okay, there's an incredible gift, a blessing, and you too can be a one-woman man or a one-man woman, if you will, sold out to Jesus and to his bride. And similarly, even if you want to get really even more practical, you can say, I'm living devoted to, this is the way my wife and I walked through this, even until we put a ring on it, until the day we exchanged vows, exchanged rings, until that day, walking through engagement, the whole deal, we were like, oh, well, now, well, we'll get married one day. We're, we're engaged, so we're almost there. We're, no, it was like, until that moment, until we have formally before God and before our community, we have said, you know, we commit, we covenant to one another, then you're someone else. Wife, and I'm someone else's husband, and we're gonna treat each other that way. Okay, so there's still this incredible call, an affirmation, and an accountability. Okay, as single people, what about marriage? Where do we fall here? Let me, as we read this, there's this language that goes on again when he says, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Was that only when she's like 22? What about, you know, is that only when I don't have a spare tire? Is that only, you know, like, is that only, you know, when it's easy? Again, like the, the, the distorted world we live in is not acknowledging the shortcuts that's easier. Okay, again, we've got to acknowledge it is easier to just look at a picture, to watch a movie, to enter into a relationship where you can turn it on and turn it off. You can flip a switch, flip it off. You're not accountable. There's nothing there. But let me tell you again, the language here is absolutely, but it is, it is settling far short. God's design is harder, but it's better. God doesn't say, ah, "I overlook bad breath and you know ponytails and spare tires and, uh, and kids and bills." He says, "No, that's all part of it. It's hard work, but it's better. I right, Think about anything in your life, like we, again, we can part mentalize. God's calling us to, to work at delighting in His provision. Alright? Is that, is that hitting home here? That there's this, there's this picture of like, that, that again, he doesn't say oh, just forget all that stuff and pretend it's easier now. He says, no, that's part of it. Alright? Let me just, again, speak really, really clearly here to husbands and wives and how we, we function this way. The, the easy route is not being honest, not being vulnerable, not confessing our sins or our temptations. The easy route is just pretending it's not there. The easy route is saying, well, I don't want to initiate right now and I hope, you know, I'm going to pretend like I'm tired so, you know, she can pretend like she's tired and we'll just look the other way and wake up a couple months later and, you know, or And just kind of go along passively that way. That's the easy route. That's the shortcut. That's even, hear me, a marital version of sweet as honey and smooth as oil. It's easy. It's a shortcut. But God's design is to bring all that in. And as you press in, as you talk more, as you're honest with your vulnerability, as you say i know that by confessing this sin and this temptation I, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be hard and and yet and then uh, as the other spouse in that conversation saying i know it's going to be hard and i'm going to now come com- compare myself to the uh myself to the other people they've been looking at or to this conversation is going to be hard or we uh, it's going to be difficult but it's so much better that god's design is that as we are vulnerable with one another as we as we exchange our feelings and our worries, and our, we confess our sins and pray for one another, that leads to so much greater of an intimacy between a husband and a wife. Okay, the, the picture that I hope we all would sit with right now is to understand, first of all, that it is absolutely interconnected, okay? Husband and wife, we, we, it's, like a, it's like a circus cycle that goes on of, well, I don't want to confess, and then, well, I don't want to, well, I'm going to be mad, well, I'm not going to share my insecurity, I'm not going to be vulnerable, I'm not going to talk about these things, and, and then it just goes on and on and perpetuates and gets deeper and deeper and uglier and uglier, right? And yet God's beautiful design is that in the context of marriage, we would share and that that would even lead to greater wholeness, and greater understanding, and even deeper intimacy. Okay, there's, this, there's this, this charge. Work hard to delight, to be satisfied in God's provision. And then lastly, as we close, I know there's a ton of people, married, single, f- formerly married, that we wonder, well, what does this mean for me? Okay, I will acknowledge on the front end here that this, this Proverbs 5 is primarily... A cautionary warning on the front end. So again, like single people, if you're if you're on the front end of this and you don't have regrets just flooding your mind, like take heed. Okay, save yourself from the pain. Repent and confess. Ask God for help. Ask God to open your eyes now to not see, well, I'll sow my wild oats now and then just figure it out down the road that's that never that's not how it works and yet what about those of us who do say man there's been stuff done to me there's stuff i've done there's there's regrets there's is it hopeless is there any hope is there any chance you can hear me as plainly as i can say yes Absolutely. God's, until your very last breath, God is in the business of restoring and reconciling all things to himself. The picture we get at the very end, the very end of the story in Revelation is that God wipes away every tear, that God is in in the business. We're gonna even sing a song here in a few moments that, that, that talks about God making beautiful things out of the dust, you see pictures, if even what came to mind for me is when, when, when Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends who abandoned him and turned his back on him, is reconciled to him. there's this beautiful picture of restoration. It's tear-filled. And yet it's incredibly hopeful. And then Peter, as we know, lives the rest of his life restored redeemed, living, not ashamed of his story, but that being a part of his fervent ministry of declaring the good news of Jesus. There's one man I, I know has a phrase where he talks about that you get to be a trophy of God's grace. To hear me. Look at me. Everyone in this room can be a trophy of God's grace. Amen? Amen. You're, we're never past being in a place where our whole lives can be used to declare God's goodness. Let me read one more quote by that same author, Jeff Der He says this, Jesus purchases our lives so that they would display his pure, holy, selfless, and unadulterated love for us. And if we fail, when we fail, we remember God's love for us and run back to the cross in faith, trusting that Jesus died for us. We believe that his death paid for our sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that we are now clothed in his righteousness, that we are changed, that we are new, and that God has declared us pure through the pure love of Jesus Christ. This doesn't just change who we are. It changes how we live. Okay, God is speaking individually and communally to us here today. And as we respond right now, reflect on the good news of Jesus. Reflect that you're never outside of his reach, his grace. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm working all things together. I have a plan for you. Everything, every, every, every part of your story, every fabric He's weaving together on an individual level and for us as a community. Okay, that now as we respond, we would heed these words, that we would beware of seduction in so many ways in our lives. Every commercial we watch, everything that we are being, everything is calling out for our hearts. And God, as a loving Father, saying, Beware of seduction, be attentive to instruction. Be satisfied in god 's provision, and be in it together as a family, as the people of god let 's pray together again uh, father I even just want to want to want to pause right now i 'm aware of the of the of the time all the the Realities we have going on right now, different thoughts going through our minds. But, but I ask that right now, through Your Spirit, You would still us, Lord, on an individual level, just like we do in earlier in our time of confession, that we would pause and consider, Lord, that we wouldn't sh- we wouldn't quickly brush past or di- or dismiss sin that's been done to us that we have done and entered into knowingly and willingly. And yet also, God, that we would almost be unable to stay there too long, that we would stand worshipfully, gladly, with perhaps tears of regret, also mixed with tears of hope and joy in your good news. God, you are the author of life. Lord, we do confess and repent the ways that we even as a church have distorted sex and intimacy and identity. And yet, Lord, we ask that you would lead us to all respond to the good news of Jesus, who is making all things new. It's in his name we pray. Amen.